0: My name is Jonathan Hoyt and you're listening to the first ever Shooting Sports Channel podcast. We're here at Applied Ballistics in Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, today we've got Jake Martins, Director of Media and Events with USPSA, Andrew Heath, who uh, just became Grandmaster USPSA shooter and he's the match director here at Applied Ballistics, and my friend Nathan Brown, uh, who's a newbie shooter. So. Uh, Yeah, it should be a good show, and uh, we'll just jump into it. Uh, uh, Jake, tell me a little bit about um, USPSA and what it takes to get into it.
1: Um, USPSA is the governing body for IPSC here in the United States. There are 447 affiliated clubs across the country. Um, USPSA is divided up into eight different divisions that is uh, gear uh, equipment-wise type of firearms. Um, the clubs will hold level one matches. A level one match is usually what we refer to as a club match um, that are easy to get to, easy to find on the website. Um, and for a new competitor, if they go to USPSA.org, they'll be able to pull up and look in their state where the clubs are at. You'll be able to link on to it and see when they hold their matches. Um, go through and you can see which different divisions there are. So you can look at the gear that you probably already have at home that will allow you to uh, come out and compete. A lot of times you're going to be um, new shooters meetings. So before the match if you get a hold of the match director you'll be able to uh, get a hold of them and say hey, I'm a new shooter, I want to come out. Um, they'll kind of show you the ropes usually put you with an experienced squad um, and somebody that will kind of get you through. And then if you ever run in and have any questions, um, there's a lot of resources that are out there. Each. Uh, area. There's eight different areas in USPSA um, has an area director and then in each state or section there's a section coordinator so there's some direct point of contacts that people can get a hold of, get questions answered and of course then there's the office that's based out in Burlington, Washington um, that you can get a hold of. They're able to get you set up, get your um, new member packet that has a lot of information in it Uh, and then you have myself, Mike Foley who's the president of USPSA um, Troy McManus, who is the director of the National Range Officer Institution. Um, Gary Nash, that are remote from the office that we're able to, um, easily get a hold of by email, by phone, that we're able to answer questions for anybody that has uh, how to start a club or how to join USPSA.
0: So, uh, who should join USPSA?
1: Um, anybody that has a little bit of a competitive drive that wants to get out and test their skills with a firearm. Um, the the best thing about USPSA is it is a game. It has a rule set, but it's getting you very familiar with a firearm, um, how to manipulate a firearm, get through a course of fire. Course of fires are normally gonna be some type of movement. Um, you're given a problem. You're allowed to solve it with the gear that you have. Um, we don't direct you specifically on how to do a lot of things. So you get what's called freestyle. So if you really wanna push the boundaries of your equipment and test your skills, it's a great way to do that. If you just want to be a competitive person, you have got a competitive drive and you like firearms, it's a great way to get out there as well. Or if you want to test um, kind of the tactical side of yourself because it's freestyle, you can shoot it how you want. You can shoot it with your carry gun or you can shoot it with a full blown race gun.
0: So. Kind of going back to just how kind of open it is, uh, what kind of uh, growth have you seen in the sport? And then uh, uh, what kind of people, like what kind of demographic do you see?
1: Oh, well, if you take, um, I joined USPSA in 2004. My member number is 59897, which means. it's 59,000 annual members before me, and the organization was founded in 1984. In February of this year, we issued um, associate number 101000. Okay. Last week, we issued 105000. So since February until a week ago, we've seen 4,000 new members. Okay. In the last two years, we've went from 24,000 members to 30,000 members. So the growth has been substantial. We've went from 419 clubs to 447 mm-hmm. um, in that same time frame. So there's a lot of outlets to find, and there's a lot of new people that are out um, competing. If you look at the last eight years, there's been a ton of gun sales, mm-hmm. and people are wanting to go and get off the static firing line and get out and move around and do some type of competition with their gear. Sure.
0: Uh, Nathan, do you know what number you are?
2: Oh, I don't have it memorized yet. I just got my card uh, in the mail today.
0: I
1: could tell you. Oh, you <laughs> <laughs> <all> good,
2: right? <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it's not anywhere near 559,000. So. What
0: about you, Andrew? Um,
3: I joined
2: in late.
3: Th- in late 2014, and I'm 8'6", 8'6"7", okay. so. So what?
0: What got you involved in USPSA?
3: Um, I come from a background I was I was in law enforcement and I was in firearms instruction within law enforcement and so I've always been a person drawn to shooting and, and firearms in general and originally I learned about IDPA when I was when I was working and it just seemed like something that would be of interest to me I've always been a competitive person so you know taking that competitive aspect and putting it into firearms you know how can you go wrong. So I shot IDPA for a few years very casually, and by that I mean I shot two, three, four matches a year and thought it was absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is just great. And so I did that for a few years, and I don't don't even remember what it was that drew me to a USPSA match, but um, I shot a local match in 2014, like maybe end of the summer, Mm -hmm. and I thought "This this is an absolute blast. And I heard about a match that ended up being a match that Jake put on in Southern Indiana, the Indiana 400 or whatever it was called. That year, I think it was the section championship yeah. okay. in uh, Southern Indiana. So I, signed, I got my USPSA membership, and then I signed up for that match, having not shot really any other matches. And um, I went to that unclassified, and I got done with it. It was a day and a half long, and I think it was 18 stages and 400-plus rounds. Yeah. And I walked off the range, and I thought, you got to be kidding me. Like, they do this all the time. They've been doing this the entire time and I was not aware of this. <laughs> and so ever since then, I was absolutely hooked. I thought it was just an absolute blast.
0: Do you remember your score from that day?
3: I have no idea. I'm sure <laughs> I was not overly competitive. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, you can tell you.
1: <laughs> um, Actually, he's, he, he brings up um, IDPA. So I started competition shooting in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with my uncle doing NRA bullseye shooting and okay. my dad doing trap shooting. Um, um, and bought my first handgun when I was 22 years old. But I went to my first IDPA match in 2000 at the Riley Conservation Club. Mm -hmm. I shot only IDPA until 2004 when I went to my first USPSA match, which was the Indiana section Mm -hmm. at the Sellersburg Club. Um, I shot limited 10, unclassified, and I think I finished seventh in that match. Um, And from there on, I was hooked mm-hmm. at that point. I didn't start working for the organization until uh, three years ago. But I uh, went from being a competitor to being the section coordinator to now actually working for the organization. And IDPA, for people who don't know, the International Defensive Pistol Association actually grew out of USPSA. Um, there was a group of uh, dedicated USPSA members, uh, Bill Wilson, uh Walt Roush, Ken Hackathorn, um that thought that USPSA got away from more of a defensive style style shooting so they created IDPA um which is great for it's a defensive style shooting um it takes a little bit of the freestyle away um we have a ton of crossover members oh, that that shoot both um and it, we have a really good relationship with IDPA. We actually Joyce Wilson stopped by the booth at the the NRA show. Um, and we spent some time talking to her. Um, even kicked around some ideas about doing some joint venture uh, exhibition style things because we do have so many crossover shooters. It's it's a lot of fun. They're both games. Mm-hmm. You know, people always talk about how USPSA shooters and IDPA shooters don't go along. Um, I very rarely have ever seen that. Um, and they're
3: typically the same person. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, um, but uh, you know, I, I haven't had time to go and shoot a lot of IDPA over the last couple of years because of working with USPSA, but it is, I mean, it's a great entry level just like us um, to get out there and, and do a lot of trigger time and get used to your gear. And that's really what both of these sports are about is getting you familiar with how to, you know, manipulate a firearm at a high, at a high rate of speed and be very familiar with it. Yeah. Um,
0: so what, I mean, I asked Andrew, what got you into shooting?
1: Um. I, like I said, I grew up around it. I mean, I started shooting when I was probably eight or nine years old. Again, with my uh, with my dad and my uncle, with a uh, Smith and Wesson Model 41, 22, and a Ruger Single Six, uh, Security Six mm-hmm. uh, revolver. And uh, you know, they were over there shooting some 1911s, and I always wanted to shoot that. And um, we used to go to Southern Indiana from Evansville to the Daniel Boone Country Club, okay. which was an NRA club and shot there. And I, I got away from it, you know, like you do as you as you kind of grow up and you find other interests. You know, 18 years old, I, oh, yeah. you know, I found cars and girls and some other bad habits. And, uh, and then once we moved up here to Indianapolis, 19 years ago is when I, you know, I went and I bought my first handgun, um, which was a Ruger P-95. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, and quickly traded that in on a 1911 and, and from there, once I had that, I sought out places to go and shoot. Um, I used to go and just do the indoor range static line and started seeing, you know, some, some TV shows and some articles and gun magazines about IDPA and, and some of the sports and went and found a match found out how to go. It was actually a IDPA classifier match was the first match that I shot and shot it with a, a Kimber uh, Pro Elite okay. compact carry gun yeah. um, and, and quickly switched to a full-size competition <laughs> gun. <laughs> but it was really about, you know, I got to a certain level of, of shooting where I could go to an indoor range and, and you know, mm-hmm. have no problem putting, you know, small groups and the little sure. paper targets, but it got boring, yeah. so I, I sought out other ways to go and have more fun shooting, and, and that's where I found competition at. Sure.
0: Yeah, I, uh, um, my first shooting experience with my uh, uh, dad and my grandfather, kind of similar to yours. Now, we didn't go to a range. Uh, we actually just went to a park out in, uh, it wasn't even really a park, it was just an offshoot road in uh, Little Hocking, Ohio, out in the middle of nowhere.
1: <laughs> and uh, go and shoot old wash machines that are thrown out there.
0: Uh, no we did would, uh, we would uh <laughs> staple targets to a tree and, yeah uh my grandpa bought uh i just seen uh, like dick tracy mm-hmm. and uh, and grandpa just happened to have a Tommy gun so we took that and a uh, um that's an a one. that's uh, a good start <laughs> that's right it there it was a gun and an m1 uh it took us out there and uh that was my first experience shooting and i was hooked since i did uh, uh boy scouts i mm-hmm. uh, got my uh my uh, rifle merit badge shotgun merit badge and Uh, Then, like you, I kind of put it aside for a long time. It was actually Nathan kind of got me back into it, especially with pistols, Uh, which brings me to Nathan. Now, obviously, I know your story, but uh, uh, go ahead and tell us what got you into guns and then uh, uh, competing.
2: Okay. Um, As far as guns go, uh, growing up, it was not something that was necessarily prevalent in my life or my family. Uh, It wasn't necessarily a anti-gun family or anything like that, it just wasn't something that much focus was ever placed on, lived in the city, so didn't have a lot of access to just run out into the backyard and you know shoot a 22 at squirrels or anything like that.
3: I've always been cursed the same way. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> Never got to shoot at home. That's always yeah. something I wanted to
2: do. Uh, that's a goal of mine in the in the next 10 years is to find a place with some mm-hmm. land I can just go outside and shoot whenever I want. But that would probably be expensive on ammo because <laughs> I'd be doing it too much. We're just going to talk Jake
0: Fair now into letting us use his uh, place once he gets Has he gotten it finished yet? You know? It's in progress. He yeah. keeps sending me updated photos.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <and laughs> Rub am <laughs> Every time you like you're
2: awful. So it wasn't really part of my life uh, growing up, but I um, always had interest in it as most young boys growing up in America do. So um, fast forward, um, married, have two daughters. Um, my wife, uh, you know, she knew I liked guns, but she always made the offhand remark, you know, I know you're going to get a gun, gun someday, I really don't care. And I'd never really honestly put that much thought into it. I like, you know what? If she's going to say stuff like that, I'm just going to go get a gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first gun was a Ruger SR9C. Um, so I've only been really into guns uh, since about 2013. So um, for me, it's been about a four-year journey from there to uh, just now starting into competition. Um, But it was kind of the same way, um, like uh, Jake was talking about. Um, Got kind of bored shooting at paper, and then, uh, you know, going to, um, what was it, the uh, single stack state championships Mm -hmm. with you uh, this uh, past year. That was my first exposure really to shooting sports uh, in a live setting. And uh, it was amazing how friendly uh, everybody was, everybody was uh, awesome. At the end of the match, you know, like, hey, you want to go run one of the courses? And I was like, okay. It was (laughs) terrible. It took me like 75 (laughs) seconds to run the course, but it kind of helped me though, because uh, I realized, even though I was slow, that uh, I could shoot under pressure and hit what I'm aiming at. And the speed can come later. But uh, that's the biggest thing that made me drawn towards competition is I wanted to make sure that, because uh, I primarily have gotten into guns for defensive purposes. So I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, under pressure that I can still do what I can do on a static firing line. So, um, I think USPSA really, uh, helps with that because it's not the same pressure as life and death necessarily, but it's, uh, a stress level that you don't get from just standing in a nice range with air conditioning. So uh, I look forward to seeing how I can improve and hopefully, uh, you know, work on getting classified first. So.
1: I, I got a question for you. Yeah. So when you went to that first match, how many people said, Man, did you bring your stuff? Uh, like everybody. Everybody. And he <laughs> told me,
2: he warned me <laughs> mm-hmm. ahead of time because I met him over there. He's like, it's like, you might want to just take your gun and some you're, ammo you're just in ammo. case. <laughs> right. And so I, ha- I had my gun and I tossed in my holster and uh, my outside the waistband holster and uh, uh, some ammo. Um, so yeah, I was prepared to do at least enough for one course <laughs> set because he warned me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everybody was like, oh, wh- why aren't you competing and stuff like that. So um, being exposed to that. And then in June, I went and took a like a tactical pistol class, and I really enjoyed that because it was more moving, shooting, shooting steel and stuff like that, and that just, I got done doing that, and I'm not going to knock classes like that because they're incredibly valuable, but the amount of money you spend on the fee for the class, the amount of money on ammo, and if you have to drive to go somewhere, if you're going somewhere for the class and it's not something local, the amount of money spent on that versus when I found out it was twenty dollars Uh, entry fee for a club level match and 150 give or take rounds depending on how accurate you are. (laughs) Um, I was like that's a no-brainer as long as you have you know enough of a background where you're going to be safe I think it's a very valuable experience for the amount of money that you spend for it.
1: So I'll, I'll follow that up real quick. So lesson learned here is, is that once you do your research and find where a match is at, whether it's USPSA or IDPA or, or a three gun match or any of that stuff, we, we encourage people to come and watch it. Mm-hmm. Obviously you can watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. You can follow people's, you know, your, your Facebook channel, USPSA's Facebook channel, um, IDPA's, you know, three gun nations they are all out there. So you can see a lot of what you can expect. But I tell everybody this, when they go to their first match, go to shoot it. Don't go to watch. Just go to shoot it and just tell people right away. And on the tactical side of it, um, tactical classes are awesome. They're great. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, Drew, you have more of a background in that than than most people that I know. Um, There's a lot of people caught up in the, uh, you know, if you go and shoot competition, it doesn't carry over to the tactical side. And there are things that you learn in tactics that obviously are not going to play in a competition which is a game right um, but being able to manipulate a firearm at a high rate of speed and be able to engage multiple targets as fast as you can see them and, and as accurately as possible carries over to both sides and, i don't i don't care who who it is yeah. there's nobody that can argue that point point. and that's
2: what drew me to it because i was thinking like after i got done with that pistol class i was thinking no i really want to do uh, another pistol class a more advanced one and then I went back to, in my mind, thinking about when I was at that match, and John telling me it's 20 bucks for a club level match, I'm like, I probably will do another pistol class, and more advanced one at some point, but to get the experience of shooting fast and uh, moving and shooting and uh, doing that all under pressure, If you're on a budget, there's not really too many better options.
3: Yeah. On that exact same path and just to even go a little bit further into it, in my background, having been in um, firearms instruction in law enforcement, I probably had the opportunity to go to a lot more classes than most guys who really enjoy going to classes get to go to. Right. And I can tell you from the point in my career before I got into competitive shooting, you know, I may have gone to a basic firearms instructor class, um, I can think of a force on force, uh, munitions instructor class, mm-hmm. submachine gun instructor class, rifles, <laughs> rifle instructor class, uh, a SWAT operator class, and everything, everything they would allow me to go to. And my skill, as far as going from where I started, to how much it has increased, mm-hmm. I would say that's about one to three on the level. And then when I got involved in USPSA and really, I think one thing you get is, it tests a much more broad range of your skills. When you go to a class, they have a curriculum they want to teach you, which is great. Mm-hmm. And typically you get a lot of experience and you learn a lot about that skill set they're looking for. When you go to a USPSA match, you have everything from safely loading and unloading your gun all the way to engaging multiple targets while moving and reacting to activated targets and everything in between. There. And you get all that in a match. Well,
0: and I think from, from the defensive standpoint, I think maybe another super important thing is dealing with failures under the
3: timer. Absolutely. That yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dealing with failures and reacting and adapting to a mistake that you've made or something you didn't realize until, you know, the buzzer went off. Oh my gosh, I didn't see that target at all until just now. Yeah, which I'm... has happened to me before. I'm sure it's happened to Jake before. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, once I got involved in competitive shooting, you know, after all the training that I, you know, would be very expensive. Thankfully, I didn't foot the bill. I was, it was part of my employment. <laughs> but after all the training I received, my my ability, you know, I mean, I was I felt like a pretty good shooter. I got involved in USPSA, and I got just throttled by everybody under the sun the first, you know, however many matches I shot, and thought, holy cow, this is a whole different, like, they're handling a firearm on and that, a And that's my first run. impression
2: when I showed up to a match their first time live. And just here, because I showed up, it had already started, and uh, just hearing uh, the gunfire in the background as I was walking up, that? I was just like, <laughs> I, knew, I knew to expect that, but I was just like, this is really impressive. Right, like you, you walk into it, and you're kind of awestruck because these are normal everyday people and they're out there doing things that you, honestly is the kind of stuff that you might see on a TV show and you're mm-hmm. like, wow, these are normal people doing this stuff. But
3: once you get out there and like your first experience, yeah. you know, the more time I got in, my skills dramatically increased. Right. And once you shot that first stage, uh-huh. you realize that there's so much stuff you got to do in that stage. I watched the raw footage uh,
2: from my first match I asked John to send it to me, and just watching from my first course to my last course, specifically the last two courses of fire I had, I could see I was a lot more fluid and calm
1: about it. Sure. You're, more, you're more confident in what yeah. you And that's exactly. a just part of it. And yeah. that, was
2: just, that was just five courses of fire mm-hmm. and a class of fire.
1: So. I just shot the Minnesota section match and 11 stages. And, and like I said, I've been doing competition shooting since 2000 and USPSA matches for the last 13 years. And still, the, you know, first stage at, at um, 8 a.m. yesterday morning was still, you know, you know, adrenaline kind of pumping and stuff, it, I mean, it's still there. It, it, but once I get through the first stage, I, you know, I, I calm down and I'm used to it. Um, but, you, you, I mean, you talk about failures and stuff like that. It was funny, you know, Drew saw, they, they got a picture of me on Facebook that, you know, first draw of the holster, first round, the mag falls up. Um, because either Fantastic I didn't... Fantastic picture
3: of the magazine just floating. Yeah, it's literally, yeah. It's, it's
1: floating about two feet below the guy. And I'm, you know, I'm just... just right there and uh either i didn't see it all the way or on the draw mm-hmm. i came up and i you know i i hit the mag release with with the fat part of my hand because i didn't have a good draw but you know as soon as i fired that first shot the entire plan that i had for the stage went out the window yeah and it was a you know quick reaction to a reload but at the same time on the fly i had to change my entire match a stage plan that was on there because my stage plan it was a twenty round mag. I was now down to nineteen rounds, and I was going to twenty rounds before I did my first reload uh, so and this was a memory stage that had you know quite a few two moving targets and some steel and you have, you can only shoot one through a port over here, you can only shoot one through a port over there um, and if that's not a test of any type of tactical skill, then you know. I, I don't know what is. Because no. right. even if you go to a training class and those things like that, that is still, it's still a static line right. for the most part. And it's, you know, they induce some pressure on you because you are on a line with other people and you do you have an instructor there that's, right. you know, giving you commands and things like that. But, I, I mean, once a timer goes off at a USPSA match, you're on your own you know you you're solving a problem that was presented to you that you you were given a time to come up with a solution for it but you know you'll hear people tell you all the time you know the best way to screw up a match plan is to have the buzzer go off because you forget what you're going to do um so there's a lot of critical thinking that's going on and and again you know you never know when you're gonna have a bad round or you're gonna screw something up or you run past a target and you didn't you know you're you are living in a in a safe zone, because you do have a 180, so right. you can't just turn around and run up range and do anything silly like that. Then um, you do have an RO, uh, a range officer, that's there making sure that you're following the rules, because it is a game. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a problem that you were solving with a firearm on a clock, under pressure, to shoot as fast and as accurately okay. as you possibly can.
2: Yes, what you were saying about,
1: specifically about like,
2: uh, a class and how you're not quite under the same stress going through that class i never had any issues and i shot my first match i had two malfunctions and it wasn't my gun's fault it was not seating the mag you didn't see the mag
1: on one yeah one
2: not on one the first one yeah that twice i didn't quite seat the mag because in a class it's you're not under the same stress so you don't you're you don't doing, screw up.
1: You're not doing a reload yeah, on right, the run. Right. Yeah, mm. and you're not saying you're not
2: doing it on the run and you're not screwing up. And so after also... that, after that first one, I was like, I'm, I'm going to make a point. <laughs> and then in the middle of, yeah. and that was at the beginning of the uh, course of fire, and then another one, another course of fire, my reload in the middle of the course, I didn't seat it all the way. I handled it a lot better the second time, though, so, right. and I'd rather it happen there. Well, and other, of course. The
0: other thing—the thing, difference between the class and the match—and I had the same because uh, the day that he did his first kind of course, they, uh, I did one too, and I had the exact same problem. I didn't get that mag suited.
3: <laughs>
1: it's the dumbest thing. I know. But it's like
0: all of a sudden, like all the eyes in the world are on you.
1: Yeah, like, know, that's what it feels like. Like, what do you do? it feels like.
0: And I'm just like, uh,
1: But they're like, all on you because we've all been there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, and, we're all, and we all do the same thing. And they're not... Ooh.
2: They're not giving... They're, <laughs> if they're giving you crap, it's because they like you. I find yeah. that to right. be... Yeah. <laughs> no, it's
0: like, yeah uh, like, I'm usually pretty uh, cool under pressure. Like, I have no problem speaking in public and stuff like that. But I stepped up to that line. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like,
2: uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I'm glad I got a so, so first course, course out of the way before my myself. first match. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a good way to segue into
0: just the the, uh, the mental side of competition. Um, <laughs> what's uh, What's different about this sort of competition than any other sort of competition?
3: Um, I I mean, in the sense of competition, I don't know that there's a lot different. There's, I, I think this. If, if you find yourself as somebody who is interested in say golf, mm-hmm. as I, I used to play a lot of golf, um, I find the same drive competitively, if not more, because there's more, I guess there's more direct competition available in this than really most things you can do. You know, a lot of people might might like to play basketball or they might like to play golf, but rarely do you get into a competitive league Mm -hmm. that you can go around, travel around throughout the state and the country and find either local level, which can be as large as 100 plus shooters or as small as, you know, 25 or 30. or major competitions, which can be as many as 700-plus shooters. You know, Pretty much any weekend of the year, you can go and find that competition at whatever level you're at. Um, I, I think that's one of the best parts about the sport is it allows you to come in as a new shooter, mm-hmm. and you're likely not going to go to a major match and right. be competitive for an overall win. Yeah. That's totally okay. Yep. And it would probably be a little bit dissuading um, – for newer shooters to have it set up to where he comes in and you know he just kind of gets left in the dust there's no there's no concern for guys that are new to the sport the class system that they've set up i think is really good because it allows people to kind of see their own progression from I'm a brand new shooter, you know, as they come in at D or C class or whatever it is, and they can see their skills improve as they shoot more, as they shoot more local matches and more classifier stages are under their belt and they get a little bit better. But then they can go at their weekend club level matches or they can go to the major matches and actually see a little bit of competition against guys that really are kind of in their same boat, you know. And there there are going to be different levels no matter what sport you're playing in, but I think this sport does a really good job of allowing those guys to kind of compete directly. So there are a lot of guys that may own a handgun for self-defense and they like... They like the hands-on time they get out of the sport, but they really don't, they have no intention or desire to sit at home and dry fire all night long or shoot thousands upon thousands of rounds, you know, running, (laughs) running drills, you know, and and as with every sport, to get to the high level, it does require repetitive, specific practice and training. Um, But that doesn't make it any less fun for guys to come out to a local match and be able to compete against other guys that are at the same interest level.
0: Well, that's actually something that, I thought was really cool from the moment I started uh, learning about this sport is you go to a match and you'll have people like you, uh, you know, up here, then you'll have the beginners all, uh, but it's still camaraderie and right. so you're still, you're hanging out together, competing together. And I can see how that could be intimidating for some people. Maybe they're coming in, but I always thought that was a really cool aspect of this sport.
3: I, I did too. And, and to be honest, that's, I, that probably is what helped push me to Get as interested as I have been and put as much time into it as I have is getting to shoot with and talk to about the sport and discuss. You know, I'm a gun guy, so discuss oh, yeah. shooting, firearms manipulation, everything about it, you know, what gear works, what doesn't, whatever, with guys that are way more experienced than me. And getting into it and meeting a guy who's a grandmaster or meeting a guy who's shot it for years and mm-hmm. is a master level shooter, their experience is so much more broad than mine right you know just wildly like more than i realized was out there i thought i came into the game as like a total you know i shoot all the time and then i realized like oh my lord you guys okay so apparently i don't shoot at all is what i'm feeling (laughs) but you know getting to talk to those guys and shoot with them and watch what they do and kind of figure out where i was needing to make up time or, Mm -hmm. or or whatever um i think that helped me gain skill as much as, you know, the time I put in, being able to see it in practice mm-hmm. and shoot with those guys directly, get to know them and figure out what's going on, you know, how they how they got to that level and stuff like that. I think it's great, the intermingling, yeah. yeah.
0: Looks like you have something to say.
3: When you, when you go back and you kind of look at the
1: mental aspect of this game and, you know, Drew and I shoot with some guys that, you know, they throw up before a match and they are there for the big win. And then there's other guys that literally are, and this is across the country they're a member of a club mm-hmm. their club has a USPSA match and they come out and they are there for fun mm-hmm. they they you know they're competitive they're safe but you know they're the type of guys that they'll shoot a course of fire they unload, show clear. They holster their weapon. They turn around and, and go back to the back. They don't go walk around and look at their targets. You know, you're like, hey, you want to you want to see this there. miss over here? I did that. Ah, I, knew I every that. course I of fire, but that was out of nerves
3: because yeah. I didn't know what the heck to do. Yeah, <laughs> and, and
1: that's that's really one of the awesome things that draws a lot of people to the sport is that there, the diversity that's out there. From I, I just I got video of a nine-year-old kid shooting PCC at this match mm-hmm. that. Um, was his first major match shooting um, pistol caliber carbine to a guy that was on my squad that was 81 years old, has been uh, competing in USPSA since, I don't know, 1986 or something like that, that, you know, he's back in the sport because we've got the carry optics division, so now you can see a dot um, and, you know, walk through the course of fire. Mm -hmm. And, And it was like bang, 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 bang had more fun hanging out and talking to people Uh, had awesome stories Um, and then, you know, on the other part of the mental aspect of it is, is you get, you get a guy like, you know, Drew's all in, Mm -hmm. you know, goes and practices, what, two, three times a week try to yeah, (laughs) does dry fire drills um, and, and, and is, is increasing his skill level um, almost at every match that he shoots. I I made master class, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago, something like that, um, where I was doing some dry fire and I was going once or twice a week to practice and shooting four club matches a month and have have slowly, you know, outside influences. My schedule's changed around, stuff like that. So, you know, I went to this match this past weekend. I had two goals. One, I didn't want to have any big major mistakes or any misses or any you know kind of screw up. And, and to go and just meet people at another club that I never would have went to this match um, if I didn't have the opportunity working through for USPSA and, and being able to go to the Minnesota section to see these folks that are there. And some of them I've shot with at other clubs where they travel around the country, but there's people I've never met before. And, um, I mean, you want to talk about just the, the graciousness and people – you know welcome you to the range and thank you for coming and um it's incredible and it, it's just it's a huge community you know it's, it's thirty thousand members but there's even you don't have to be a member to shoot a level one club right. match um so it's even larger than that that for the most part all have one desire and it's to go and have fun at a match right. whether it's to to make grandmaster or to win your your um Class mm-hmm. or your division at a major match, or just to go hang out and put rounds down range, you can do that, right. and you can invest as much time, money, or just take your your basic defensive pistol and go to once a month mm-hmm. to a match, or you know two or three times a year. We have a lot of members that have one or two activities, which means they've only gone to one or two matches in a 12-month period of time. It's awesome. Then you have other guys that have you know, shot 80 matches in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, that's awesome. It, it's it's all in what you want to put into it and what you want to get out of it. Um, like Drew said, there's there's guys that, you know, they go and play nine holes of golf every Saturday morning and they're never going to play on the pro tour or any of that stuff and they're just out there having fun. And there's guys who go to a local club match and just go and shoot their local club match and they don't want to go to a state match, they don't want to go to an area match, they don't want to go to the Nationals. There's other guys like us that, and. I want to go to every area match and every section match and every nationals that I can. I'm not going to win my division. I'm not going to win my class, but I'm going to go out there and be as competitive as I possibly can.
0: So that uh, that brings up something I was saying about uh, earlier. um, How is how is the the, how are the competitions set up? You know, usually uh, like a a sectional state championship, it's you know a tier thing. You have to win one to go to the other. It seems like you just
1: Jump in, got any of these. Well, let's let's back up a little bit and talk about the classification system first and then how that kind of carries over. So, the classification system is based on um, certain classifier stages that are set up specifically a certain way across the country and there's a high hit factor which means that the points and the score that are shot on there are set. Mm -hmm. So, you go and you shoot that same match or that same stage um, here, you could, you could have an El Prez is a stage. You could set that up on this bay right here, and you're going to shoot your time and score, and that's going to be judged against everybody else that's Correct. ever shot that stage. So you're going to get classified in that. So maybe the first time he comes out and shoots it, he gets a C class because mm-hmm. it goes Grandmaster, Master, A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. He gets a C class on it. So now he's going to chase that classification, or maybe he doesn't chase it, maybe it stays the same, but when he goes to his local level one club match, he's going to be shooting against everybody else in his division, which you shoot-
2: I shot, shot limited.
1: Shot limited, so yeah. he's going to be shooting everybody else in limited and everybody else in C class. Okay. So you're going to look at it two ways. He's going to have his overall placement in the division and then his overall placement in his class. And then we have categories for lady, junior, senior, high senior. So there's a couple of different matches that are going on at the same time. Each stage is a small match within itself because you're given a score on that stage. And then that score carries over to each one and all your points combine at the end of it. Mm -hmm. So no matter which level of match you go to, whether it's nationals, an area championship, a section championship, or your level one club match, they're all set up the same way. So you're shooting against the same people in the same division with similar equipment as you. So say you pick production division. Production division is one of our fastest-growing divisions. It's, it's based on your common um, guns that you would see, a Glock 17, a Glock 34, right. Walther PPQ, um, a SIG P320, an M&P, um, CZs, and Tanfoglio. So your, your common guns with, with moderate modifications to them no slide lightning and things like that. Um, If you decide you want to go and shoot production division, you're shooting against everybody else in production division. Your overall score will be against everybody on there, and then you can look and see how you did in your class against them. So if you take that C class that you got on your first four classifier stages that you got, you're going to carry that with you to every match that you go to until you move up and you shoot more classifiers, which is normally at your level one match, so as you move up, there's different tier levels and you go up to B class. Now you're going to be shooting still against everybody else in that division, but now you're also shooting against everybody else in B class. So it really is what you want to do. Some guys want to go and win the division. Some guys want to win their class. Some guys just want to place well overall. And then some of us want to, you know, do all three of them. I want to win the division, win my class, and, and uh, you know, win my category or whatever it is. Um, and then some guys, you know, just want to go and have fun. But uh, the matches are open to anybody that can legally own a firearm. Right. That's it, that's the only requirement. Now at national level, um, you, you have to be, I, I take that back, at a tier two or a level two match, which is a state um, and an area match is a tier three or level three, um, you have to be a USPSA member. Right. Your local club, you do not have to be, you just sure. do not get your classification. So that's what being a member gets you, is you, right. you get to chase your classification. Um, at nationals, there's you usually have to have a slot, or even in our national event, once the slots are all used up, then there's open registration. What do you mean best slot? Um, each section earns slots for the national event. It's based on the activities that yeah, they right. turn in. Um, so, you know, some some sections or states have a uh, point series. So, if, if Drew won limited division point series, he gets the slot for that section. Gotcha. And it's up to him whether he wants to go to nationals with it or not. Once all the slots are used up, then it's open registration. So, you're going to look at our, we have a national event coming up in uh, St. George, Utah in September. There's going to be pro shooters, grandmaster shooters mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, Rob Latham will be there um, shooting, and Max Michelle will be there shooting but you're also going to have a guy that may be his first nationals. He may be a D-class shooter. Gotcha. So they're all going to be competing against one another. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's some people that are going to have a better chance of winning, Right. Um, but there's, you're going to place against them. So sure. it it really is, you know, the, the level for entry getting into it can be as simple as I bought a used Glock 17, you know, gen one for 350 bucks, you know, a couple of mags. Mm-hmm. I got a I got a holster that covers a trigger guard and four mag pouches and I went to my level one match and that could be the exact same gear that you would and, and you go and shoot production nationals with. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to see, you know, some more modifications as you move on. Some people are going to put a better trigger in there or put better sights on it. Um, but that's all up to you. Sure. You know, some of us may have custom built limited guns or you can take a, you know, a police trade in M&P. 40 caliber, put a magwell on it and some mag extensions
3: and shoot that and limit division. Yeah. And it, be competitive. It, yeah. I mean, as far as you won't find yourself in that situation being in a place where the equipment's holding you back. Right. It's, a, it's that accessible where, I mean, very, you could walk right out there at the cash register and pick up all the gear we need and be more, you know, that's more than enough. The only thing that's gonna be holding you back at that point is the amount of time you put into it. So, and ammo. And ammunition. <laughs> ammunition so let's, let's,
0: uh, let's kind of transition into a little bit of the gear. I mean, the guns are kind of covered. You can, if you have a gun, you can find a spot, or you can find a spot and find a gun to fill that. Uh,
1: yeah. There's there's not a firearm that's made that I can think of that you could not find a division to go and shoot it.
0: Uh, uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier on the way on the way here. Yeah. Does anyone run with a Desert Eagle?
1: Have you seen it? I have seen a match video of submission. Yeah. Of video. Oh, have you? It really? Was <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's a match video of a guy out there shooting one of the um, 500 Magnum. Oh, my. No, revolver uh, division. Revolver, yeah. <laughs> do yeah. speed loaders for that? No, it's oh, very yeah. slow and it's painful to watch. But, I mean, it's something. Yeah, he's obviously doing it
3: for fun. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. We, do, we have a local guy, Alex. Yeah. A local guy, just a revolver grandmaster. He, I've shot with him in the squad. He shot a... As a Ruger I believe but it was a 454 Casull. Oh, wow. <laughs> he shot full power yeah. loads through the entire match. It was outrageous. But he I, finished it. I, there's I'll give him a credit.
1: there's a guy that uh, came to the Area 5 Steel Challenge Championship that I saw at the World Speed Shooting that is shooting a Ruger Vaquero <laughs> with a red dot on top of it. <laughs> That's a single action, right? Yeah, is it is it is a single action and and he is uh, he's coming out of holster, Tactical thumb cowboy. cocking <laughs> and shooting optics open or uh, optics revolver yeah. with it and uh, I actually I think he placed like third or fourth that's okay. awesome yeah so um, and I have seen high points yeah I, I have uh, at uh, at local matches I've seen yeah <laughs> I've seen high points I've um, we had a guy that uh, at, at my very early at an IDPA match mm-hmm. that uh, before they had their backup gun division came and shot it with a J frame. Okay. Wow. Um, which was his carry gun. Yeah. Um Bill Desarn. Um, shot it with his carry gun, reloading out of uh uh stripper clips out of his back pocket. Um, but that was a gun he carried in his pocket. Yeah. So and now IDPA actually has a bug
3: uh division.
0: That's cool. So I, I could run my uh P two thirty with the European style Magrelease. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's
3: that's one really great really great thing about this though is If you come at it from that perspective and you wanna use carry gear, you wanna, there, you know, there's some really good shooters that do that, approach it that way, you will never be able to find more, I guess, be able to identify weaknesses in your gear Mm -hmm. more easily than taking it out to a competitive environment and pushing it to the limit. Shooting it as hard as you can, as fast as you can, um, at high round count events frequently. I mean, that's how you're gonna identify gear that will work. You know, any gun you go and buy off the rack, is gonna fire a few times, no question. Sure. You know, some of them may have some things that need to be tweaked, <laughs> and one way you can find that out is by getting out and actually putting rounds downrange and really stressing the gun. Mm-hmm. And I have found, you know, stuff I thought was exactly what I wanted, this is how I want to do it, and I get out and shoot and realize really quickly that's not, you know, that is not ideal, that is not what I wanted, and it didn't work out the way I wanted it to.
1: And so I've actually I've shot with some guys that use their duty rig. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, Mm -hmm. law enforcement that are out there in um, the full full duty rig. um, We did uh, at the Indiana section a couple years ago when it was at Riley. They had the Terre Haute Police Department come out on the staff day and shoot out a duty rig. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know you can you can do pretty much about whatever you need to with the gear that's out there. Um, And that's that's one of the really really. Cool things about the sport. Now, what you'll find is, is that once you get addicted, like most people do, right? Um, <laughs> this is why.
0: This
3: is why, as a brand new shooter, the last thing you want to do. This is why, as a brand new shooter, the last thing you want to do is go out and buy all the gear you think you need. <laughs> yeah. That is going to be just an enormous. going to be an enormous waste of money. You're going to shoot your first match and realize, hold on, I want to change just about everything I just well, spent all that money well, on. Well, let's
0: let's take on that for a minute and. Uh, since we're kind of hearing this for people getting into it there's got to be uh maybe talk to each of you like a a recommended starter kit
1: oh yeah yeah i i I will tell you that if i knew now what i you know in 2004 or or 2000 whatever i probably would have bought um a glock 34 glock 35 glock 17 and that's it Mm -hmm. um i say that but you know and i call yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say that and I and I can tell you that, that, you know, most of the things I have right now are actually duplicate custom guns. Yeah, in
0: Nolan, aren't you? Um yeah, one
1: of them. Uh yeah. So um what I would tell somebody that's interested in the sport that has a firearm already, mm-hmm. um, bring it out to the match. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in Getting a hold of somebody, I will tell you that there is no greater group of people to say, "Hey, I'm a new shooter. I'd like to come out. I don't own a firearm, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I've shot before. Maybe I was in the military or or whatever. Is there somebody you can let me borrow stuff?" You'll find that that happens quite a bit. I (laughs) I shot three gun very early on before it got really popular. I I was reloading out of a dump pouch which people there were doing that used to have a you know, bandolier <laughs> belt and doing stuff. Um, I would go to a three-gun match with a pistol and pistol ammo and shoot other people's rifles and shotguns. Sure. Um, so that's out there to go and try stuff. Uh, is, there, is there a starter kit? What you have at home. Right. What your uncle has at home or your dad has at home. Um... We'll probably do just fine. You may need to borrow a couple of mags. You may need to borrow a mag pouch sure. or two. Um, but as long as you have a holster that covers the trigger guard, um, that is safe uh, and it's not you know some floppy old piece of leather that was you know stowed underneath some truck seat somewhere, you're probably going to be good. As long as you have a serviceable handgun um, or a pistol caliber carbine, which means that it's safe and and, and you know the parts aren't going to come flying off of it. Right. Um, you're you're going to want to see how many mag pouches you may need. Um, a lot of guns that you buy now come with a kydex style holster and a double mag pouch. You may just need to buy one more mag pouch and one extra mag and, and be good to go. Um, most firearms that you can go and buy at any firearms store are gonna be ready to go right out of the box to come and shoot a match. Um, I've actually seen some families that have shown up that have the price tag hanging off a gun. <laughs> uh, and. I mean, literally, they they they're pulling safety glasses and hearing protection out of a Walmart bag that they bought on the way there, and they're coming to shoot it as a family, sharing a gun. So they missed a little bit of research, <laughs> but they did it and they had fun. Um, they actually ended up signing up for some training classes that uh, that Aaron Bright was putting on at the time. He's a, a local shooter with us. Um, so it, it's really what you what you have. If you want to come out to a match and watch and ask people to say, hey, can I see what you have? They'll take you over to safe table. They'll show you, you know, that's one thing that you're gonna find is that a lot of us like to talk about the firearms that we're competing with, Um, not to brag about them or anything like that. You know, I would be more than happy to show anybody why I have a gun set up the way that it does. And why I shoot it the way that I do, you know, why I have this magwell on this gun and this magwell on a, a, a 1911, and and I know Drew has, you've gone through quite a few different guns and stuff that you've <laughs> tried over the last couple of years. Um, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many that I've bought and sold and tried, sure. and um, I mean, I've sold entire, you know, gun, five mags, holster, sure. belt, mag pouch, several times. And, you know, and that's the story. I, I've several times I've gone back to a to a Glock, and said, "This is it. I'm going to go and shoot production. That's it." And I go and shoot like three matches, and I'm like, "Yeah, now I'm going to go back to something else."
0: <laughs> so what is it? What is it? Uh, uh, maybe Andrew, try me on this. What is it that would make you want to, you know, say you've been shooting Glock mm-hmm. for X number of matches? What is it that makes you then think, think eh, I want to do something different?
3: Uh, I, I think it's I think it's everybody's just internal drive to want to change, try something different, or try something new, or get what they perceive to be some sort of an advantage. Um,
1: there's a huge yeah. There's there's <laughs> there's, there's <laughs> I will tell you that if you're gonna if you're gonna chase your competitiveness with gear, mm-hmm. um, there's a certain threshold where it's no longer gear. <laughs> well, um, and what I mean by that is is that. The neatest, biggest, fastest new whiz bang thing that's out there is not going to win matches. Um, having something that is reliable, that functions, and you can shoot to the best of your ability is what you want. Right. Not the you know newest, hottest fad that's out there. Right. And I, we've all chased.
3: I'm, yeah. I'm. I think I'm as guilty of that as anybody. I've I started the sport in 2014, and at the time my. Uh, I started in production, and I thought, all right, so I carry a Smith & Wesson M&P on duty, and I think a Smith & Wesson M&P is exactly what I want to shoot. It's going to get me in everything I need. So I buy a M&P Pro, I think 9 Pro, and I shot that in production, and that lasted, I don't know, 11, 12 months, and I thought, well, man, I think now I got to get a CZ. Everybody shoots a CZ. I got to get one of those (laughs) because that's the only way I'm going to get better. In reality, I switched around guns. To the point that it was probably a detriment to my skill. I sure. would be a better shooter most likely had I stuck with the M&P that I bought initially. Sure. If I were talking to a brand new shooter that was just going to get involved and say they owned an M&P or say they owned a Glock or a Springfield or they didn't own anything, my first advice would be pick a gun. Go to a gun store. This, like, this range is perfect. You can get it in your hand. You can take it to the range and actually put rounds through it. Find a gun that... Fit your hand, find a gun you know how to operate, mm-hmm. um, get some rounds downrange and practice with it. Make sure it's functioning, and then hit the matches. Don't worry about gear. As long as you've got a way to keep it on your in a holster, you got some extra mags for you. I would recommend everybody shoot limited minor. Yeah. If if you're just brand new yep. to the sport, just about every gun that people are going to own for self defense or an entry level. Hey, I you know I bought a Glock or I bought a a, Spring, a Springfield XDM. That's going to place you in limited minor you don't have to have 25 magazines most of these guns are going to hold 15 to 17 18 rounds mm-hmm. that's going to give you three magazines more than enough to complete just about any course of fire in uspsa and it's going to give you enough it will take you a long time and a lot of practice to get your skill level to the point that that gun is holding you back yeah. you know there are guys who are so good, they can do it with any gun. Sure. There are other guys who get to a point, they're, they're exceptionally good, and they're, they're chasing that tenth of a second on every stage. And those guys, you know, switching from Springfield, or, uh, an M&P or a Glock or whatever, you know, to a custom-built 2011, you know, maybe they can squeeze an extra few tenths out of that, and that is going to make a difference. And if they spend you know, thousands of dollars yearly and travel hundreds of hours all over the place, that's going to be a worthwhile investment for them. Yeah. But again, that's way down the line. Sure. You know, the new shooter coming into it, absolutely. I think you can be, you're as competitive as you should be, you know, with the typical gear that everybody has: a couple of magazines, three magazines, and a Glock 17 is going to be more than enough to compete at limited, in minor, scoring minor, for. Quite a while until you figure out what your interest is, you know, do you want to continue shooting that? Do you want to shoot another division? And you know, what do you need to do to progress skill-wise? Yeah, that's what I have to keep telling myself after shooting my first matches.
2: My gear didn't hold me back whatsoever. Sure. So, well, how much you put into
1: it? <laughs> well, <laughs> and you you were shooting you were shooting a Beretta, right? Right. Wilson right. Combat Wilson Combat Beretta. Well, it's
2: again, <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds like oh, really expensive gun, but it's but what I have. It, it, it is it a is Beretta my...
1: with a really nice trigger. Right. Yeah.
2: And a G, it's G so it doesn't have the safety. It's decock only. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, it's still just a Beretta ninety two, and it, I didn't go out and buy a brand new gun for it. For it's what I carry. So. Um, but but it, I didn't feel like my gear held me back at all, like, I've sat here and thought, man, you know, it kind of sucks losing a point for every shot that I don't hit alpha on, maybe I should go get a 40, and I'm and like... You say that now, I'm
0: gonna, the day after, like, I'm looking for a 96, uh, oh, I'm I know. 96. <laughs> So, I, <know. laughs> so I, I was
1: hoping you were going to say that, because yeah. you, know, you brought up something earlier about speed will
2: come. Yeah. Um, but I know I'm not, I I know that my gear isn't what keeps me from, like, I just need to keep going with what I've got and get better.
1: So one of the, one of the biggest things that I hear from people, um, when I, when I go to matches and, and, and somebody will be there and their friend will be there is like, Hey, why aren't you shooting? Oh man, I can't shoot that fast or I can't can't do that. Um, one of the things that if you start in limited minor, you're going to find that If you learn how to shoot accurately first Mm -hmm. um, and don't focus on speed. When speed comes, because it will, you'll get more comfortable with shooting the gun. Your accuracy is going to stay. And a lot of people will go and watch videos of USPSA shooters and they'll see guys that are pulling off, you know, what almost sounds like, you know, full auto fire. Um, you know, they're doing, you know, splits that are 0.17. Um, and they're doing, you know, a draw from a holster under a second. Those are things that that you don't just start, you, know, you don't just walk out there and you're able to do. Um, and people get a little intimidated by that. Um, they get a little intimidated when they show up at a match and they may be on a squad that's got a couple of higher ranked people that are shooting almost at a run. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I would tell you that don't get caught up into trying to shoot as fast as you possibly can right. to start off with. I would tell you don't get caught up into um, thinking that you need to run right. through a course of fire. Um, I would tell you that, that gear is never gonna hold anybody back. Um, the only thing that holds people back from getting involved in it is, you know, fear that they can't do something mm-hmm. or a lack of confidence in that if they go out there they're going to do something wrong. Um, and that kind of gets us we, we were kind of kidding around a little bit about you know if you do something wrong because we do have rules and you, and you get DQ'd with um, a disqualification it's a learning experience. Right. Um, there is there's a safety officer that's right there with you that's making sure that you're not doing gonna do anything, you know, unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, are there times where people may inadvertently fire around? Yes. Are there times where somebody may get a little bit out of the 180 where they go to run past a target and they kind of bend their body back to shoot it? Happens. Um, those are things that, that people get, scared of because we are on we're not on a static line and we're moving around. I, I would tell you that that we have an immaculate safety record as, as an organization that there are millions and millions of rounds fired downrange at USPSA matches and IDPA matches and three gun matches across the country almost every day of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you just got to get it out of your head of being fearful and not confident of what you can do. There are people that will help you get through a course of fire. At a level one match, um, there is coaching that's allowed. So even the RO behind you can say, um, you know, finger. Maybe you're getting a little too close or you're going to do a reload and your finger's in the trigger guard. Or um, they may even just, you know, you ran past a target and you go to actually back up or go to to break that 180 stop you before you go and do something. That's what
2: I noticed in my first match. There's probably times where, uh, you know, they could have just let me go get myself disqualified, but they kind of pointed those things out or, um, you know, more experienced shooters giving me that coaching when they're ROing me and stuff like that. So I I found that to be really helpful and welcoming.
0: Well, and, and, and kind of just to expand on that, you know, uh, you were basically getting nonstop advice like the whole day. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So from the standpoint of some of it was probably good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but just from the standpoint of, of someone who is maybe coming to their first match, like right. everybody wants to see you succeed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that was stuff. the nice thing. Like, well, nobody wants anybody to do anything unsafe, and that's the one like, thing yeah. that people need to get out of their head is that, you know. The, the funny part about it is is that there are people that will feel safer coming up to this static line, standing next to somebody that they have no idea what level of skill that they are. And I've probably had more instances of being swept by a loaded gun at an indoor range than I ever have at a, at a match. Um, and people actually, because they're in four walls enclosed, they feel much right. safer. Um, I would tell you that that's kind of a falsehood. Um, you kind of seen. Absolutely. <laughs> <Well, laughs>
0: yeah. there have been some stories coming out oh, yeah. in the news the last couple of years of indoor ranges. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Not that there's anything. I mean, mm-hmm. shooting is, it's a very safe sport for, for the most part. Competition, the stages are designed with safety in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have a very, very strict rule set on how stages can be designed and how targets are placed to make sure they're not putting you into unsafe situations. Um, and. It, at your local match all the way up to your nationals and stuff there are multiple range officers that are certified range officers that are that are also assisting throughout the match and and keep an eye on things like that because not only do we we want you to succeed and have fun at a match but we want you to be safe we want you to to learn how to handle your gun safely there are some guys that have owned guns for years and years and years and and they come out to the match and um you know, they're a little cavalier in, in just holstering their gun. And it's a very simple thing to say, hey, when you go to holster your gun, turn your body a little bit to the right so you're not sweeping back behind you. Mm-hmm. Even though it's an unloaded firearm, you know, you're, you could get DQ'd if you, if you do that. Yeah. And they're like, oh wow, I didn't even realize I did that. So just little things like that. So when they go home the next day and they take their carry gun out and stuff, they may actually turn their body and make sure they're not sweeping the dog mm-hmm. behind them. Um, those things all carry over so you know being fearful of not being in a safe situation I would tell people to get that out of their head being fearful of going and you know showing their but you know showing their ass on something because they think they're going to go out there and they're going to fail or they're going to look bad or or they're going to be like, man, I, I can't go. And I, what if I miss a target? And, and people are going <laughs> to be like, oh, you know, that guy's an idiot. It doesn't happen. Right. It just doesn't well, happen. No, I, I screwed
2: up plenty, and I felt more confident and welcome <laughs> after the match than I did going in, even though I screwed up multiple times through the match. You know, it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> I, I've as,
3: been, as, well, as you said before, it's because everybody that's on the line. Probably themselves have made that mistake. Mm-hmm, right. You know, I've, I've shot enough in the few years I've been doing it that, you know, I have made a ton of those mistakes. And I've seen new guys get on the line and do the same thing. And I don't think, oh, God, look at this guy. More I think, oh, I remember doing that. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. feel bad for him, want to help him out. You know, as, as they come back, you can see that look in their eye. You know, if they're a little bit disappointed in their performance, where you can just say to them, hey, you know, I'm sure you don't like having just done that, but believe me everybody back there feel they know exactly what it feels like because they've all made that same mistake
0: one match i was at and uh, uh one of the competitors obviously reloading his own stuff he had i think two or three uh cartridges that had no powder <laughs> so he's going to shoot nothing yeah. and uh yeah
3: that, and that specifically doesn't necessarily have to be a, uh, a newbie mistake. No. That happened to me exactly last year. <laughs> and ta- and talk, about, talk about having an embarrassing thing, where I traveled to Wisconsin and shot at the Area 5 championship, and I made it two stages in before I had squib after squib and had to stop a stage. And I got on the next stage and squib my first round, and that was the end of the match for me. Yeah. And it was just something as simple as uh, powder build up inside my powder funnel on my press, not realizing that there was no powder Sure. being thrown into each case and I learned it as soon as I got home but you know I've seen all the guys I've seen many guys have ammunition issues whatever and you know first thing I think when I see that is like oh, I know exactly what he's going through
0: <laughs> so uh, I think I think it's about time to start wrapping this up so uh, um, keeping on the uh, kind of talking to, to noob shooters or wannabe shooters um, maybe just kind of go down the line and if you had one piece of advice to give to somebody who's either getting ready to do their first match or just thinking about starting, you know, what would you tell them?
1: Um, I'd I tell you to find a match near you, find out when it starts, get hold of the match director and say, hey, I'd like to come out and shoot the match. Um, they're gonna be more than welcoming. They're gonna help you get through it. I would not get caught up in gear. I would not get caught up in um, not being confident in your abilities to go out there and do it. Um, It's one of those things where you know everybody wants to go and probably parachute out of an airplane but they're really scared to do it Mm -hmm. when you go and you ask the guys who do it they love it so you just have to take that first leap and going to a match prepared to go and shoot doing a little bit of research on what division you're going to go into um what time does it start where do i need to go who do i need to see when i get there the rest of it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really is. It's, it's not as complicated as people want to make it. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's a hell of a lot of fun on top of it. Whether it's a USPSA match, an IDPA match, a steel challenge match, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're most likely 99% of the people that own a firearm is going to have enough to go and shoot a match. And if you don't, there's going to be people that will help you get through it. Um, and with, with the, the ton of rebates that are on factory ammo and stuff out there, the cost of entry is, as, is about as low as it possibly can be right, right now. With rebates on manufacturers of, from the firearm side of it to the ammo side of it, I, I can't think of a better time to actually start in competition shooting sure. um, than there is right now with where the industry is and
3: with the amount of growth that all of these organizations have seen.
0: Andrew, you're next.
3: Um, obviously, I mean, taking the first jump is the big, is the big thing. I have a lot of friends that are, you know, a lot of friends that are really into guns and very few of them have I been able to convince to come out and shoot. And typically when I do get them out, the first thing they think is like, oh, well, that was great. Like they had some thought in their head that they were going to come out and it was just going to be this tedious like oh everybody's so you know I, i'm terrible at this i you know i can't i can't complete the yeah, course fire like whatever exactly or yeah <laughs> and, and to, it's not true you know everybody get they get out on the range and they have an absolute blast and, and that is true with almost every person i've i've been able to bring out into the sport um and that's kind of the other thing is when you see a high level competitor or you see, and that that is at every local match you're going to come across, you're going to see some really good shooters typically. Um, Don't let that intimidate you because, I mean, I can think of right when I started in the sport, which wasn't that long ago, being the new guy and not really knowing anybody. And in that short three years that I've been involved in the sport, you know, I've created some really good friends that I've spent a lot of time with, that I'm going to spend a lot of time with on the range and off. And it's just, I found the people involved in the sport are nothing but welcoming mm-hmm. at any level. You know, I, the very first day, I'm sure I talked to some BC or D level shooters that were nothing but encouraging. And I, I know I talked to some, some really great shooters that I looked at and saw like, how did they even do that? Mm-hmm. And they were nothing but welcoming, you know, encouraging, advising, giving you some helpful pointers on whatever it is you're going to. And I don't think that's anything is, that's gonna be different at whatever range you end up trying out. I mean, people are just very encouraging in the sport, and once you get involved in it, I think it just continues. One thing about the sport is, it's, it's competition, but the way, I, the way I see it, it's more of a competition of your own ability. You know, I compete against Jake when he and I went and shot at the last major match I shot at the Illinois section match. I was not wishing that Jake did poorly. I was wishing that I did well. I was wishing that I shot consistently and finished the match and felt I did a good job. But I, I thats
1: was, I was wishing that you did for it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but really, that's as far as it went. And everybody else, I was shooting with guys that I traveled out there with and everything else. And as you know, when they get up, we'd, we'd talk beforehand, we'd discuss the stage, and it was in a way like, hey, this is the best way to do it. You know, you know we're looking at it this way, he saw something I didn't see. Attack the stage this way. I think it's going to be better for you. And that, it's a, it's a almost a team, an individual competition where we kind of all pull together and try to make sure everybody does as well as they can.
1: I, I'm actually, I'm going to come back to that because you know we we shoot a lot of the same divisions and we'll we'll travel to matches together and stuff. And we walk up to a stage and it's not like I come up with a plan, and and, and, and Andrew comes up with a plan and we hide it from each other. Um, and you know we share what we're going to do and go through it and. I've had the, over the last several years in this position, been able to actually shoot with the grandmasters of the sport, the Rob Waysom, the, the Max Michels, Travis Damases, and stuff on there, Dave Savigny. Um, and they do it too. Mm-hmm. Cause they're, I mean, they're competing for national and world titles and they will share their plan together. And they will come up with a plan together on a stage and they will all shoot it the same way together. Sure. Um, and, and we've done the same thing, you know. That's, that's how people just in this sport are with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether, whether it's because we're competing to, you know, to win a plaque or a trophy or, or a national championship or to help a new guy through, it's, it's all about the same. And, yeah. and that's where that, that don't have fear in your, in your ability of what you can do at a match there are people that will get you through it, no matter what level you're at. Um, there was a stage that we were just at the Minnesota section. And, you know, we're, we're kind of looking through and trying to come up with some plans, and there were some people that were over there and came up with a plan on it. And I mean, I took like two or three guys through and it was like, hey, what are you doing? How are you doing this? And, and together, you know, I changed my plan based on what somebody else said, because there was something that they saw that I didn't. And it was like, wow, that's, that's a lot better idea. Competing directly with that person, so you know, it happens, and that's that's the way it's supposed to happen.
0: Sure. So, uh, Nathan. Yes. Uh, now, at the at the uh, at the end of this, um, ha- has it, have you changed any thoughts coming into this uh, little podcast uh, from before, uh, or uh, as kind of a closing statement, um, what would you say to some new shooters?
2: I haven't really changed any of my thoughts because I'd say where my thoughts changed the most is what what my preconceived notions were um, before attending a match or competing in a match and then what they were after the fact. That's where my opinions changed. Um, These two, first time I've ever met them, they've been awesome and great just like I would expect because everybody I've met in USPSA has been that way. Um, Biggest advice for new shooters to echo what they said is just get out there and do it, first of all. Um, but second of all, email people, talk to people. Um, I emailed, uh, I just sent an email to, I think, just the general email address for Atlanta Conservation Club, uh, who was hosting my first match that I went to. And the match director got back with me, he said, hey, I appreciate you reaching out to me. Um, just make sure you see me before the match, You know, get there at these times and everything. And, you know, he walked me through the new shooter meeting, what was expected of me from a, sta- a safety standpoint, and uh, talked to your um, squad leader when you get squatted off. Um, I talked to my squad leader right away, told him, hey, I'm new, introduced myself, and uh, that really let everybody on the squad know, hey, this is a new guy, and they all took me under their wings and uh, helped me out with that. But once you've decided to do it i think one thing that helped me the most as far as overcoming nerves and everything was uh, dry fire practice get your gear on close your bedroom windows and doors so nobody can see you looking like a dork (laughs) and get out there practice your draw stroke uh, practice your reloads use pictures on the wall for switching in between targets um, just so your body is used to it and knows what it's doing because I got done with my first course of fire. I don't remember much about it. It was mostly instinct and adrenaline, but it worked.
1: So uh, dry fire practice pays off for sure. Did
2: you
0: have any closing remarks?
1: Um, No, I I just say that if you're you're interested in finding out more about it, it's uh, USPSA.org. There's the USPSA Facebook page. Um, Here in the state of Indiana, there's uh, the uh, indie Gun Owners forum mm-hmm. that has the um, competition shooting uh, forum that's on that. That almost everybody, all the match directors are on there, they put their matches and things that are on there. Um, my email address is jake at uspsa.org. Uh, if you're looking to uh, get some more information or want to talk to me, um, you can uh, email me directly to there, or if you email, it's office at uspsa.org um, if you're looking at joining. Um, Or if you have questions about joining, feel free to get a hold of me. Um, If you have already gone out and shot a couple of matches and you're interested in in being like a range officer, um, we have those programs that are out there as well where you can learn more about the rules and actually get a little bit more involved, running the timer, helping set up stages at at matches and things like that. if there's, uh, if there's any, anything that we can help somebody get involved with, there's quite a few of us that are, are remote from the office area that uh, we can get you through. We can help you find a place to go and shoot, answer your questions, um, and, uh, and make sure that you go and have a good time and you, and you meet up with the right people to, to get you through your first match. If it's gear questions, whether something that you already have is, is ready to go or legal or any of those things or which divisions you should go to, again, you can email me, you can get on any of those forums. Um, you can go to the, the USPSA Facebook page and ask questions on there. Um, you're going to get a ton of advice. Um, you're, you're, you may even get a ton of unsolicited advice sometimes too because <laughs> um, everybody has a favorite manufacturer or those, uh, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it'll be like a fire hose. Mm -hmm. Um, so you might have to sort through exactly the information that you're looking at. Um, There are training classes that are out there specific to competition shooting. There are training videos, uh, books that are out there um, that people can get a hold of to really familiarize themselves with what's going on with the sport. So if if you need any assistance or need any help, um, we're, we're more than welcome to get a hold of any of us through the organization. Any of the mass directors, I, I know them all here in Indiana. So um, feel free to reach out to us. And then it's the same, you know, because once we put this podcast out there, we'll you know we'll share it up on the Facebook page and all the stuff for USPSA. So it's the same in every section that's out there. There's a section coordinator. There's several mass directors. It's all listed on the website. Um, and you can email anybody that you can get a hold of on there, and you're going to find that you're normally going to get a, a really quick response. It's going to be kind of really an open arms. Come on out, and we'll take care of you. So. Um I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't let uh, any of that hinder you from being able to go and find a match and being able to go and start competing. All
0: right. Uh, well, we're going to call that a wrap for our uh, first podcast. Uh, you've been listening to the Shooting Sports Channel. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, on the Internet at uh, shootingsportschannel.com or also on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, so thanks for uh, joining us, and we'll see you next time.